Hey guys, welcome back to the Play Like a Girl podcast, one of the shows for SB Nation's Ohio State site, Land Grant Holy Land. We're two girls talking about sports because our opinion counts too. I'm your host, Meredith Hine, and I'm so excited to be joined by my new co-host, Kelsey Trader. Welcome, Kelsey. Hey, Meredith. Thank you for, I would say thank you for having me, but I guess I'm going to be here now. I'm going to be a staple here. So it's, uh, I'm really excited to to join you and to get this going uh, weekly. Um, We do have a lot to get into today, but would love to start by getting to know you a little bit. Um, You might remember Kelsey from one of our earliest episodes of Play Like a Girl. Um, But Kelsey, would you mind introducing yourself and sharing a fun fact? Yeah, so Kelsey Trainer, I am a lawyer in the New York City area, originally from Philadelphia. Um, I work in the entertainment and media space, but I always spew uh, stuff on on social media about sports and women's sports and advocacy. And I love to talk about anything having to do with women's sports and the law and sports in general. Um, I also worked for the television show Blue Bloods. Um, with Tom Selleck and Donnie Wahlberg. Um, so I have a bit of a mix uh, um, in terms of uh, life experience and, and work experience um, that all kind of culminates together into just spewing a lot of different stuff on uh, on social media and on Twitter. Well, we're so excited to have you. And real quick, where do your professional sports loyalties lie? Okay, so I'm a Philadelphia fan. <clears throat> I'm a Philadelphia sports fan uh, through and through, um, but I will say that no, uh, there's not really many women's teams in Philadelphia. So um, if we're going to talk WNBA, I'm going to have to go with the um, the New York Liberty. If we're going to talk NWSL, I'm going to have to go with uh, Gotham FC. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll stick to the Philadelphia sports teams, but uh, I won't name them all. Nice. Um, well, let, we would love now that you are officially here and officially part of this podcast, um, would love to kick off our discussion with something that I think is super relevant to your day job. And that is a recent story about us soccer's legal fees. Yeah. Um, so for anybody who doesn't remember the, um, the U S women's national team is in this, um, ongoing lawsuit uh, against U.S. soccer. So Starks like Alex Morgan, Meg Rapino, et cetera, have sued U.S. soccer um, for, for equal pay, basically, for discrimination. Um, and so that happened in 2019 is when they filed that lawsuit. So a report came out uh, for Sportico by Daniel Libet um, that went through the latest Form 990 um, for U.S. soccer's um, tax expenditures and reported that U.S. soccer um, spent nearly $19 million on outside legal fees between April 2019 and March um, March 2020. Um, so they spent, I think the, the case itself that the, the U.S. Women's National Team is, is they're, they're, oh, they want more pay. They want equal pay to the men. Um, and I think they demanded in the 40 million range, uh, maybe a bit more than that. Um, but U.S. soccer spent almost $19 million from that time frame to defend that case um, instead of paying the U.S. women's national team players more. Um, so, like, in and of itself, that report is just, 
I would say it's damning. Like it's, it's so frustrating to so many people. You're going to pay lawyers all of this money, um, to tell women that they are, you know, less than they're inferior by birth and therefore they should be pay less. That is an actual argument that was made by us soccer in one of their motions. Um, and so it, it doesn't make sense, um, from a, maybe an outside perspective. Um, you know, they could have settled this case and actually paid the women, uh, more money, um, instead of paying lawyers $19 million, um, to defend this case. It, it just doesn't add up from a common sense perspective. And I know women and, you know, really people with some semblance of, common sense everywhere is like, what is like, that doesn't even make sense from a cost benefit perspective. Like, why are you spending more money on legal fees than having a good look, uh, worldwide of, of having equal pay, um, and paying your players who are the ones that are, you know, earning you that $19 million that you're able to spend on legal fees. Um, so that's kind of the overview of what happened. Um, from that 2019. And they've spent even more than that uh, since I believe it's uh, 2016. But U.S. soccer themselves, in, in, in terms of all the U.S. sports teams, they've spent the most money on outside legal expenditures um, than any other U.S., you know, USA Gymnastics, which again was embroiled in all of that Larry Nasser and, and um, you know, abuse um, issues. But um, U.S. soccer you know, took the cake there with, with legal fees. So there's a lot to unpack there. Um, I'm just going to very quickly point out the shock that I have about the fact that us like USA gymnastics literally had Larry Nasser, a notorious person who was abusing children and they spent less on legal fees than us soccer, who is literally just actively trying to oppress women. And mm-hmm. It, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't it, add up. It, it doesn't, it doesn't add up. Um, and then we are going to get into the fact that U.S. soccer is literally just digging its heels in instead of investing this massive amount of money that could have gone a long way in closing this gap between the men's and the women's teams, as you pointed out. And Instead is just saying we're going to identify ways to continue to not pay you what you're worth, even though your team is proven to be more valuable than the men's team. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> the nail hammer is, is what you just hit there. Um, and it's it's so interesting because you can look this this report that came out from Daniel Libet. You look at U.S. Soccer Federation's legal expenditures year over year. So in 2016, it was about 3.3 million. 2017, 3.2 million. 2018 was 1.5 million. And then you get to the year 2019, and it is 18.9 million dollars that they have spent on outside legal fees. And again, that's the year that the U S women's national teams players, uh, filed their lawsuit, their equal pay, um, uh, discrimination lawsuit against us soccer. Um, and you know, that's a, that's a huge spike going from three and $1 million to $18 million. Um, that's a kind of slap in the face to women everywhere, but also to those players that yeah. U S soccer is literally saying, we would rather pay uh, a bunch of suits, um, 
instead of paying you as women and, and admit that as women, you should be paid more and, and equally to the men's team. Yeah. And to your point about the timing, like this is an ongoing thing, but the spike is literally coinciding with when these women start, not started, they've been speaking out for a long time, but when people started listening to them and advocating for them, and then U.S. soccer was like, oh boy, we've got a problem. And now we have to boost our legal fees. And not only uh, that, that 2019 is the year they won the world cup. Like <laughs> it's like they knew, they knew in advance that this was going to be a real challenge when people realized how great the women's team is and that they deserve this pay. Yeah. I mean, I think when you have um, an entire stadium in France screaming equal pay, equal pay after the women um, won the World Cup, um, I think that that's the message. And I don't know how you ignore that. Um, U.S. soccer has done a fantastic job at at ignoring that to the uh, to the to, to the millions of dollar range. So, um, you know, again, this lawsuit, um, just for an update to the actual U.S. Women's National Team lawsuit, um, at, recently, actually, um, a, a few weeks ago, the equal pay portion of the case was dismissed by the judge back in 2020. Um, but there was still the issue of um, playing conditions. So equal, um, you know, ho- hotels, flights, accommodations, et cetera that was ongoing, that part settled. Um, and it was approved by the judge of this year. So as of, I think a few weeks ago, the U S women's national team have appealed, um, their quote unquote loss in the equal pay lawsuit to, um, the court of appeals. So that's the next step in the U S women's national team equal pay lawsuit. Lots of things to keep track of here. Um, we have, much more positive news that we're going to get into in just a little bit. Uh, But first, we're going to take a quick break. So stay with us. Welcome back. Uh, While you may have been seeing red from the story before the break, we have some much better news to come back to. Um, recently, uh, there was an article in Deadspin about women investing in women's sports. So Uh, the crux of the article is something that you may have seen in the news. We've seen athletes like LeBron James investing in sports. Uh, but this particular article basically got to the point that if, uh, larger investors were not going to invest in often championship women's sports teams, um, women were going to do it themselves, uh, and other athletes as well who support women. So, uh, on Monday, uh, reading from the Deadspin article here, a media startup, Just Women's Sports, announced $3.5 million of investment from several entities that include Kevin Durant's uh, venture organization, as well as WNBA players uh, and ice hockey players. Um, Alex Ovechkin was also involved in an investment group that invested in Washington soccer team, the spirit, uh, along with, and I found this fascinating and Kelsey and I were talking about this before the show, uh, Chelsea Clinton, Jenna Hagar Bush, as well as gymnasts, um, and other female hockey players. So I just thought this was a really amazing story of women supporting women. Uh, you've got Naomi Osaka, Natalie Portman, Serena Williams listed in this article. Um, but all manner of, uh, women who are actively saying, let's make women's sports better and better invested in, in the future, which directly combats 
not only what we were talking about earlier with the women's soccer team and this perception that women's sports like don't deserve funding, don't deserve equal pay, but also what we saw in the NCAA tournament with the disparity in the men's and the women's uh, weight rooms in the basketball tournament. Um, so I think just this level of active investment that's been happening so rapidly is a very positive story to be following. Yeah, I absolutely love it. And I think it's like started really with that, um, that Los Angeles NWSL team, Angel City, you know, their investors were uh, Serena Williams and Natalie Portman and a lot of the 99ers, Julie Foudy, Mia Hamm, you know, those women that really put um, women athletes making money on the map, you know, winning that 99 um, World Cup. So I think that has been really the spur of getting all of these investors and investor groups into women's sports. Um, but I think what we're seeing is that, you know, they're not doing it as a charity, you know, which is often how women's sports is viewed. Um, they're doing it as like a solid investment. And I know Haley Rosen, who's the founder of just women's sports, you know, she's been at this for a while, just like the rest of us, right. Arguing or advocating for, you know, coverage, investment, et cetera. And they've really set up such a nice platform and, um, they, they've really set up a process there that um, they're going to be the people that change the game, that provide that coverage, that provide that investment, that, you know, provide something so simple as like, you know, women's sports scores in one place. You don't have that on ESPN or CBS or, or kind of any of those websites. Um, it's really, really hard to find. Um, so I think that's been really, really cool. And another part I love about that is like the game changer for women's sports, I've always said is going to be women with more capital, women with more money in their hands. And that's what we're seeing that has kind of progressed, um, you know, over time is that, you know, I guess, you know, historically money has always been in the hands of, you know, <laughs> men and, and for a number of reasons, um, just the majority wise. And we're seeing now more women, whether it's athletes or, um, you know, venture capitalists, whatever, we're seeing them uh, take hold of that money and then decide to invest it back into women's sports because the upside is there. I mean, the numbers are there. Um, it's almost like it's almost like the uh, the women's sports is like, you know, a crypto or something like that, because, you know, right now the ability to invest in it is is fairly low. Uh, in terms of co financial commitment. And I think the, the ceiling is, is it doesn't really exist yet. Um, so that's a really fun, fun article that you've, uh, that you found Meredith. Yeah. And one of the other things that I love about this article too, is, you know, we've seen this trend in sports in recent years of ownership. So, you know, you mentioned that ownership of any sort of sports franchise used to only be able to be in the hands of the very, very rich. Well, nowadays you see a lot of PE coming in. You see a lot of smaller investors who are able to make an impact in sports. And what that means is that superstar athletes like LeBron James, who even though they're, you know, the greatest player in their particular sport, um, you know, they would never have had the capital to be able to invest or own a franchise. And now they are able to say, Hey, I'm a player and I'm an owner. Um, in different areas, obviously, like he's not an owner of the Lakers currently. I think that would be kind of a conflict of interest. <laughs> but he isn't. He is an owner, I guess, in that ownership group of what a, a European soccer team, and I think what, is it the is it the Boston Red the Sox? Red Sox? I think yeah. yeah. Um, but being able to see like athletes have power and you know rise above, and then again you see 
like Kevin Durant, who's investing in these women's sports teams, we've seen consistently this year, especially um, NBA players speaking out on behalf of women's sports teams and advocating for them. Um, and this allyship among professional athletes, I think, has been really another positive story that uh, we've been able to carry this year. Yeah, I mean, during the entire WNBA season, uh, I think it was Kyrie Irving paid for any of the WNBA players who opted out because of any reason, either COVID or, um, you know, there was other stuff going on. Kyrie Irving paid their salaries. And that's just a level of respect. It's one Kyrie recognizing that he has the financial means to to be able to help and to contribute. But it's also him realizing that, hey, the the WNBA is not where, it, you know, the, the NBA is financially. But these athletes, you know, he's friends with Sue Bird and, and all these other players. He sees them day in and day out in the work that they do. And it's it's a level of respect. It's like the people that criticize women athletes or women's sports as like not interesting or entertaining or this and that our couch potatoes sitting at home, you know, right? LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, all of those people see the same, the work that all of these women athletes put in. They see the blood, sweat, and tears, the work, the skill, the talent, and it's all equal to exactly what those male players do. And so they see that and they respect that. And that's why you don't see, you know, for the most part, male athletes disrespecting women athletes because they understand that it is just, it's the same thing. Um, and so that's, that's been really fun to see and shout out to Kyrie Irving for, uh, for kind of putting his, his money where his, his mouth has always been. Well, that seems like a really good place to end the show for today. Um, but before we do, uh, I know you just shouted out Kyrie Irving. Um, Kelsey, do you have any other shout outs for this week? Yeah. I mean, I definitely want to bring it up again. I want to shout out Haley Rosen and Ashley, um, Brayband and all the people at just women's sports for what they're doing. I mean, um, also Kirby Porter, who was one of the, um, one of the people with the, um, with the venture fund that helped kind of secure that funding. It's just incredible. And it's, it's, I'm incredibly hopeful for all that, all that is to come. Yeah. I'm going to give a somewhat selfish shout out once again, this is not related to women's sports at all, but once again, to all of the healthcare workers who admit, who are administering the COVID-19 vaccines, I'm getting my second dose today. Um, and can't thank all of those selfless folks enough for all that you do to continue to try to keep us safe and healthy uh, in this very bizarre time that we are living in. Yes, uh, thank you as well. Add to that. Oh, I'm so the excited. Best. I'm nervous for tomorrow. I hear it knocks you out quite a bit, but uh, yeah, that happened to me. But it's you know, it's a it's a day and done, and then you're uh, you're on your way to full full effectiveness. Yes, better than having COVID, I am sure. Exactly. Awesome. That's all we have for today. As a reminder, you can follow Kelsey on Twitter at ktrain underscore 11, me at Meredith Hine, and the site at landgrant33. We'll talk to you all soon. Thanks again for listening to Play Like a Girl. And as always, go Bucks.